Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. This morning, I do want to talk about the war within. And I'm going to begin by reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And that's where we're going to take our text from this morning. Beginning with verse 16, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, just to give you a little background so that we kind of understand the context of, of what's taking place here. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing to these churches in, in a region of Asia Minor known as Galatia. Um, hence the word Galatians. And what had happened is Paul had ministered there and others had ministered there. They had started churches and there were many new Christians that were in this area. But some false teachers had come along after Paul had left and they began to teach that in order to be a genuine Christian, you had to become a Jew first and you had to go through all of the rites of passage to become Jewish before you could possibly even think of becoming a full fledged Christian. And so in order to be a Jew, you had to follow all of the Jewish rules and rituals and you had to keep the law and you had to do all of this stuff. And they were saying you have to do all of that. And even once you were a Christian, in order to grow spiritually, you had to keep all of the Jewish rules and religion and traditions. And so they were basically trying to force these new Christians back into and under the constraints of Judaism. So Paul is responding to this, this problem when he writes to the, the church in Galatia. And what Paul argues is that you don't to do all of that stuff, that we are made right with God. We are justified with God by faith alone in Christ alone. And that you don't have to do all this other stuff. And the way you grow mature in the Christian life is by walking in the spirit, by living the Christian life and allowing the Holy Spirit to help you to grow and develop and mature. And so that's Paul's argument as he's dealing with with the this this problem. Now, 
one of the things that, that Paul is addressing because the, he anticipates the argument of those who are pushing Judaism, they're going to say, well, if you allow people to just be free and, and they're not being bound by the law all the time, what's going to happen is they're just going to run around and sin and do anything they want and say, hey, it doesn't matter because I'm forgiven. And so Paul argues again that you that when you are under control of the spirit and you are um, tempted as as we are, that that doesn't give us liberty to just do whatever we want to do. So we we are looking at this today on how it applies to us. How, how can we live a godly Christian life and what does that look like? And, and so we have to look at what does it mean to live in the spirit and to walk in the spirit. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And there's that theme again. You know, for the past few weeks, I, I've tried to bring out the fact that the mark of a true Christian is the fact that, that a true Christian is going to live in a loving manner. That a true Christian is going to do what is in the best interest of other people who is going, they're going to set aside their own agenda in with the, the attitude and the idea of I want to do what is best, what is right, what is good for, for others. That's living in love. So what we need to, to hear this morning is how do you how do you avoid the corrosiveness, the destructiveness of our sinful nature? Because even if you are a born again Christian and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you still have that old sin nature hanging around. It's still there. And so uh, that's the war within that we have to deal with, that even though we are, are new in Christ, we still have to deal with this sin nature. And so we want to we want to tackle that and, and under, understand how we walk in the spirit and and how we are led by the spirit. Now. I've already alluded to it, but, but just to make clear, there are two forces at, at war within us. Uh, the, we, we, are, we have opposition in our, our lives. The first part of verse 17 says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. Now, when it talks about the spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit in our life. When you are a born again Christian, the moment Christ comes to your life, the Holy Spirit is present in your life. And once that happens, there is automatically conflict that begins Conflict between the Holy Spirit who is now living in your life and your old, your old sinful nature. Uh, 
that that war is is going to be there for the rest of your natural life. But Paul says to us, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. We're living in the spirit when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. But we have to learn to walk in the spirit, our sinful nature. And again, all of us who are born again, Christians still have a sinful nature. It, it is just a reality. And that sinful nature wants to pull us in a direction of evil, in a, in a direction of wrongdoing, in a direction that is anti-God. But the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in a path that is righteous, that is holy living. And one of the things that I, I need for us to understand, and I think this is where a lot of Christians fall down, uh, where, where a lot of Christians fall short, is we try to do, we try to fight this battle with our willpower. We recognize that we have a, a sinful urge that we, we want to, you know, do stuff that we know we're not supposed to do. And, and so we just go, Oh, I'm going to try harder. I'm, I'm not going to think lustful thoughts anymore. I, I, I'm not going to give in to my, my anger. I'm not going to give in to my bitterness. I, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And we try to act in our flesh to fight the flesh. Well, obviously that doesn't work. You know, you can't fight the flesh with the flesh. This is a spiritual battle and we have to understand that it's a spiritual battle. So we need to recognize that as Christians, we have to choose who we're going to to serve, who we're going to yield ourselves to. If we if we follow the desires of the flesh, we cannot do the will of God. Galatians 5 and then the second part of verse 17 says, the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Following your flesh will enslave you to sin. That needs to be clearly understood. Romans 6 verses 12 and following, it says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Now, verse 16 says, don't you realize that you become a, the slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Well, there it is, plain and simple for us. We either choose to follow the, the desires, the lust of the flesh, or we can choose to follow God and walk the path of righteousness. When we submit to 
the Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit to be the guide, to be the, the, the Lord in our life, it leads us to righteousness and it also suppresses our, our worldly desires. Romans 8, beginning with verse 12, says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So we must understand that we have to walk in the spirit. Otherwise, we are going to be dominated by the, the desires of our worldly nature, our old, broken, sinful nature. Well, what, what does that mean? What, what, is, what describes our old, broken, sinful nature? Well, Galatians 5 tells us, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and notice, other sins like these. So what this is saying is this isn't a complete list. He's not trying to name everything. He's just saying, here's a good picture of what, what's going to be taking place. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, we lie to ourselves and we say, well, I, I walked an aisle once, I prayed a prayer, and so I'm a Christian, but we continue to have thoughts that are ungodly, and we continue to behave in ungodly ways. We continue to conduct our lives in an ungodly way, and then we think, well, sure, I'm going to heaven because I walked an aisle once and I prayed a prayer. There's no salvation in walking in an aisle and praying a prayer. Salvation comes through obedience to the word of God. And so what we need to understand is when we have this sort of stuff going on in our lives, it is a problem. I told the, the folks in the first service, it's like finding black mold in your house. If you find black mold growing in your house, you don't just go, oh, that's interesting, and, and not do anything about it. You get serious about getting rid of it because you understand that if you don't get it out of your house, it's going to destroy your house, it's going to cause health problems, and ultimately it could even kill you. Well, the sin that we allow in our lives is like black mold. When you recognize it, when you see it, when you understand that it's there, you have to get rid of it. You have to deal with it. And we need to, we need to understand that. Don't lie to yourself and say, well, yeah, I've got all of this sin in my life. I have these problems, but it's okay. I'm forgiven. Deal with the sin so that you can be set free by the Holy Spirit to live the victorious life God wants you to have. 
So how do we walk in the spirit? What, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, it means that we set our minds on the things of the spirit. We allow our lives to become spirit led, spirit controlled. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. What do you think about? When you're at work, I understand that you're thinking about projects that you're dealing with at work. You're thinking about your objectives of work and you're doing, you're doing your job. I understand that. But what is your mind when you're when your mind is just kind of doing its thing? What are you really thinking about? This tells us very clearly that when you are controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be thinking about godly things. You're going to be thinking about, you know, I have this neighbor who I really need to figure out how I can best reach them and love and, and let them know how much Jesus loves them. Your, your mind is going to be thinking about godly things. But if your mind is controlled by the flesh, you think about, you know, that clerk was rude to me. And boy, if I could just tell them off. I'd really like to tell them. I'd really like to give them a piece of my mind. I'd tell them. And then you, you sit there and you rehearse it. You think about stuff that are impure. You think about things that feed your jealousy, feed your bitterness, feed your angry, feed your lust. If your mind is being controlled by the flesh, that's the stuff you think about. And so you know your mind better than anybody else in this room. And so what is it you think about? Use that as an alarm clock that says, wake up. You got to deal with this. So how? How do you deal with a mind that is, is not disciplined and a mind that is thinking about worldly, ungodly things? Well, you take what God gave you the word of God. Remember in Ephesians 6 verse 17, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So what you're going to do is you're not going to fight this battle in your flesh. You're not going to just go, I'm going to try real hard not to think about being angry. You, instead, you begin to dominate your mind with the word of God. If you have a problem with lust, then you start looking up scriptures in the Bible that deal with lust and you begin to to bombard your mind with the word of God dealing with what you're dealing with. If you have a problem with anger, you look up scripture that deals with anger. If you have a problem with gluttony, you look up scripture that deals with gluttony. You deal with the sins that you have in your life by going to the word of God and using the word of God to combat the sins in your life. You memorize scripture. You meditate on the word of God. You get the word of God inside of you. 
Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So it's going to require maybe you begin to shift the way you think and the way you use your idle time. One of the things I'm I'm proud of with my wife is that when she's at school, she plays instrumental praise and worship music on her Pandora station on her computer so that even when she's working, she has spiritual input coming into her life. Think about what you listen to. Think about the type of music you listen to. Think about the TV shows you watch. Are you honoring God with what you are consuming? If you're not, change it, fix it, repent and do what is right. Think about things that are right and pure and lovely and admirable. So it boils down to who do you want to serve? Do you want God to be Lord in your life? Do you want to to live a victorious Christian life? Or do you want to live a worldly life? Again, a worldly life is, is, I've used this analogy before, but it's such a good analogy. It's the same as scratching poison ivy. It feels really good but it doesn't fix anything. It only makes the problem worse. And when we fill our minds with worldly things and we dwell on worldly things, we're scratching poison ivy. We're making, it may feel good in the moment. It may, it may feel good to tell that person off in our mind and just, oh yeah, man, I'd really let them have it. And it may feel good to think lustful thoughts, but it's a it's a death trap. It's leading you to hell. It's, you know, the, the scripture says people living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to, to hear how desperately serious this really is. We are called to live holy, righteous lives. So, what does it mean when the, it, it tells us, Paul's talking about being under the law? What does that mean for, for us to be under the law or to, to submit to being under the law? In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it says, No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Just to keep it simple, when I'm talking about the law, I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. Let's just so that we all kind of have a, a frame of mind. The Ten Commandments are there to tell you you can't measure up. The Ten Commandments were written so that people would understand that they were sinful, that they were broken. That's the role of the Ten Commandments and all of the other laws that, that are in the, the Bible. 
Romans 3.19 tells us, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. So what we need to understand is the role of the Ten Commandments, the role of the law, is to help us understand that we are hopelessly damned to hell. We are condemned before God. That's, that's it. That's the role of the Ten Commandments. When we start approaching the Ten Commandments with, well, I'm going to use these to try and help me be a better person, we're going to fail. You cannot be good enough to do the Ten Commandments. That's what Jesus died on the cross for. That's the role of Jesus is to help us, to, to save us, because we come to the law and says, I can't do it. I can't measure up. I, I can't make it good enough. And God says, that's right, you can't. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that you can be saved through him. We need to understand that. When we are spirit-led and spirit-filled, we're not under the law. We're free from that. We're free from, from condemnation. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation. There is no accusation. There is, there is no judgment for those who belong to Jesus. Romans 8, 2, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You see, when we are led by the spirit, when we, when we walk in the spirit, we no longer have to follow a bunch of rules because we understand those rules didn't make us right in the first place. Those rules were there to help us see that we weren't right. Jesus is the only salvation. He is the only thing that makes us right. So we want to be led by the Spirit. We want our lives to be dominated by the Spirit. So how does that happen? Well, the Spirit leads us externally and in internally. The Spirit leads us externally through the Word of God. I already talked about the fact that when you identify an area of sin in your life, you go to the Bible and you attack it from what the Word of God says. So that's an external leading by, by God through His Word. Internally is when we are led by the spirit, Romans eight, five says those who are dominated by the sinful nature will think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy spirit, think about things that please the spirit. So when we fill our life with the word of God, and when we become pliable 
by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will begin to guide us. The Holy Spirit will begin to nudge us. The Holy Spirit will begin to convict us. The Holy Spirit will begin to work in our lives and help shape who we are and help shape the direction that we're going with our lives. That's the internal aspect of, of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So here it is. On the one hand, we can be controlled by our fleshly nature. And when we are controlled by our fleshly nature, we are going to be slowly and surely led down a path of destruction that leads to ruin. It leads to uselessness. It leads to brokenness. It leads to leads to hell ultimately, or we can submit ourselves to the will of God and we can submit ourselves to the Holy spirit and we can take action against our flesh. We can take action against the, the brokenness that is in our life. And we can submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we do that, God will, tr will take, take us and he will do infinitely more than we might ask or think. That broken sinfulness that you have in your life, God can deal with that. He can get rid of it. He can give you victory over it. That addiction you have, God can come in and he can replace that with victory and with, with usefulness and purposefulness. Whatever is broken in your life, God can bring healing and he can bring restoration. And God can take your life. And right now, maybe you're thinking, this is it. This is my life. Here I am. This is it. And God can say, oh, no, I have so much more for you in store. I want to do so much more with your life. I have such great plans for you. And I am going to turn your world upside down. Trust God. He loves you more than you love you. He cares more about you and he has a better plan than you or I can possibly dream of for ourselves. Trust God and he will do great things in your life and through your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for making it possible for us broken, sinful people to live victorious, spirit-filled lives. Again, only you could do that, God. And I just pray that you will help us, help us to get it, help us to understand what you can accomplish in our lives and through our lives. You are so wonderful and so good. And we so often fall so short of our expectations and our hopes. We settle for so much less than what you could offer. So Heavenly Father, my prayer this morning is that you would just speak to each of us with the power and the might of your Holy Spirit, and you will help us to grasp 
the greatness that you, you have in store for our lives. Help us, Father, to just allow you to be Lord and King in our lives. Lord, there are individuals in this room today who need you in a personal way, who need to be born again. And I just pray specifically for them. I, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, help them to understand their need. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.